A reading from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And I'm on staff here at the church, and uh, we have been in a series uh, the past four weeks or so talking about how the church is essential to believers. And we've really been focused on this idea that it's essential to your faith, it's essential to your life in the kingdom of God, that if you're a believer, the church is an essential part of that. But Last week, we started kind of shifting gears, and today I want to go a little further into that. And we're really talking about how the church is essential for our world. There's kind of this idea, I think, among many people, including many believers, that churches are really just kind of like clubs for Christians. You know, we have affinity clubs for all different kinds of things. If you're into any kind of thing, you can find a club for it. And so most of us kind of get in our head that, Well, what churches are is you get a lot of people who have the same beliefs about morality and the afterlife and about God, and you get them together, and, well, they're they're just there to all agree with one another. Or maybe you have a different point of view. Maybe if you don't really believe all we do, or maybe you did at one point, and maybe you grew up in church, and you kind of have the idea that, well, churches are really these kind of religious institutions that are primarily about trying to seize power and control, and they're really trying to force their beliefs or force their political opinions on to people, and that really the goal of it is to gain power and wealth and privilege. And I mean, I think we have to acknowledge that certainly has been true for many Christians throughout history and even churches throughout history. But that is not Jesus Intent. That was not Jesus' intent when he created the church. Jesus said to his disciples, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or the powers of hell or the powers of evil and darkness, they will not overcome it. That through the church, Jesus is, he is reclaiming this world. He is advancing the kingdom of God. He is pushing back the powers of darkness and evil, that this is what the church is for. But when you hear me say that Jesus is advancing the kingdom of God, I don't want you to hear me say that as some kind of, we've got to win a culture war, or we've got to somehow take our country back for Christianity. That's not what we mean by advancing the kingdom of God. Advancing the kingdom is not about gaining power or wealth or privilege. In fact, the kingdom of God will call you to lay down your power and your privilege and your wealth for the sake of others, for the sake of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is how Jesus spoke about the rule and the reign of God, that 
If God had the world just the way he wanted it to be, if he could have people the way that he intended them to be, it's about God renewing our world, that he's bringing about his goodness, his justice, his peace in every corner of the world. And that's throughout the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is God creates everything. And when he sees everything he creates, what does he say? He said that he saw it and it was, it was good. It was good. That God creates the world and he sees it and it is good. And so he puts human beings on this planet to care for the creation. He says, I want you to co-rule this planet with me. I want you to cooperate with me in ruling this world, in cultivating it, in gardening. He put them in a garden. He wanted them to build, right? He wanted to build the world that it would be good for the sake of others. And that it would all be done under his care and his commands. But as you've probably heard before of the story, that's not the way things went. That inevitably human beings choose for themselves, well, we want to rule. We want to be in charge. We want to decide what's good and what's evil. And so human beings rebel. And in that moment, it's like there's this crack that comes into the fabric of the universe and the powers of sin and hell and darkness begin to break in to our world. And sin begins to wreak havoc on the good creation that the Creator had made and the goodness of human beings that God had created. And so evil and violence and corruption, moral decay, enter into our world. Humans begin to work together. We do start to build and create societies, but in every single society there are systems of abuse and oppression and greed that begin to enter into every single human community. And then anger and lust and deception begin to take root in every human heart. And eventually, it's as if the entire world is under this power, this oppression of sin and darkness. And here's the truth. You may not believe the story of the Bible. You may not believe everything we do about God. But that last part, you can see. You may not call it sin, but you've seen it. It's as if at the fundamental level there is something broken in the fabric of our universe. It's as if there seems to be something broken in every human heart, in every human society. The best and most free and equitable human societies that we have are still plagued with corruption and greed and the abuse of power. You know, there really is no society that exists or ever has existed that there's not one group of people who gets marginalized and put down for the sake of some other group. Every human society seems to just have this problem. And the best and most kind and generous people that you know that your, your sweet great aunt that you think's never done anything wrong, you know, or at least she does, that on some level, there's, there's darkness, there's brokenness deep within her, within everyone. Because we've all hurt the people we love the most. We all disappoint ourselves. Forget about disappointing other people. We all have our own best ideals that we fail to live up to. We all have secrets we wish we could forget. And if it was just us, maybe we could deal with it. But then I got all you broken people to deal with. <laughs> and we're all in relationship together. And so I have to deal with the brokenness of other people. And you know this because you carry wounds. 
and hurtful words that people have inflicted upon you. Everybody at some point knows what it feels like to be left out and to feel lonely or to feel the sting of depression or anxiety or those deep griefs that somehow we can't even name. At a basic level, it's like humanity is broken. It's like all of creation is broken. And all of us know what it's like, and we've been saying this for a while, all of us know what it's like to live disconnected from God, from other people, from ourselves. That we're, we seem to have this sense of, between me and you, there's just this disconnection. And you know that, because even when you really, truly love someone, and you, know, you, you say, hey, I'm going to be with you forever, even in a marriage, you know There's a level to which I'm going to go through this whole life and I'm the only one who really knows it all. I'm the only one who ever really experiences, no matter how close I can be to another person, there feels like there's this disconnect. And then with myself, there's all these things I do that I have my own standards and I I have what we call integrity, which means who I say I want to be, who I am on the outside matches up with who I really am and that's all broken. And then me and God... Well, even if you're not sure you believe in God, there's this deep sense of, does my life matter? Does it have value? Is there something more than me? Human beings, our entire societies, we, we are just living disconnected from God, from ourselves, from others. And this is why Jesus came. This problem of sin and evil, it is too big for any of us to handle on our own. There is no amount of self-improvement you will do that will fix all the problems in our world. And there's no amount of systemic big change you're going to make that's going to fix all the problems in your heart or in your marriage or in any relationship you have. It's it's too big for us. And so when Jesus comes to earth, he begins to refer to himself as the son of man. And often, if you've heard that, you know, you hear sometimes son of God, son of man. He calls himself son of David. It's all these different things at one point. And we just think they're all different names for the same thing. What he's referring to is actually something that's out of the ancient Hebrew scriptures, which we would call the Old Testament of our Bible. And it, it was these ideas that there was going to come a time that God was going to send a son of man or a one true human being. And that this would in fact be fully God, fully man. The only human to really not live under the power of sin and evil and darkness. He would not ever be corrupted. Humanity the way we were always intended to be. But that somehow this son of man would allow the full weight of sin and brokenness and evil to be inflicted upon him. So all the brokenness in your heart, in our world, in every nation we've ever seen, all of that The cosmic sin of the world gets placed on one person. And somehow, through suffering, the weight of that, though he had never personally been touched by it, he would overcome it. That he, in his death, would put to death the powers of sin. And that a new quality of life would be unleashed in the world when he would raise from the dead as proof of there is a new life that is possible. This is what Jesus did on the cross. He takes on the powers of sin and evil and suffering and injustice and all the weight that we feel. He takes it upon himself and he puts it to death. And when he rises in a new garden, it's like the world is reborn. It's like a new kind of life is given birth to humanity. This is what he called eternal life. Life in God's kingdom. It's a life that is fully connected to God through Jesus. 
a life where I can be fully connected to other human beings because I'm given a new family, a new eternal kind of family, what we've been talking about the last four to five weeks around here, that this church, we would be a new kind of family and that I could be connected to myself because all of this brokenness in me, Jesus is is working on. And when Jesus was returning to his father, he gave this instruction to his church. He said, go and make disciples. Let everybody know this new kind of life, free from all this brokenness, free from all this evil, it is available to you. And this is, would be how the kingdom of God would spread. This is how a world that has been broken and corrupted by sin and darkness is somehow made new and beautiful, the renewing of all things. It's somehow by communities of Jesus' followers going and making disciples. The kingdom of God does not advance like the kingdoms of this world. They have to pass laws. They have to take over things by force and by military power. They have to take it over by conquest. They have to set up a government. The kingdom of God spreads by ordinary human beings going into ordinary spaces and somehow making them sacred. Somehow allowing God to interact with human beings. It's through groups of disciples just going out and living out the kingdom of God, this new kind of life that existed only once Jesus brought it into our world and inviting others experience this life. This is what the Apostle Paul is writing about in that scripture reading for today that we read where he calls it the ministry of reconciliation. That through Jesus on the cross, God is taking all of these broken, sinful parts of our world and he is reconciling all the broken things back together. He is bringing them back together. He's bringing people back to God. But he's also bringing people back to people and people back to completeness within themselves. All things the way they should have been. And that through Jesus, he has given to his church the same ministry of reconciliation that we are to go out into our world and in the very same way begin to spread this reconciled life, inviting people back into this kingdom of God. And the church... We're ambassadors of this kingdom life. And the church not only exists for one another like we've been talking about. It's not just for the glory of God because all of this is the glory of God. And in the same way, we exist for the sake of the world. That in Christ Jesus, a new creation has come and we know it. A new kind of life exists. The world can be as it should be. A life in the power and presence of God. A life in the peace Injustice of heaven, a life fully connected to God and ourselves and others. A life that does not end when we take our last breath. It continues for eternity. This life of human flourishing is now available to anyone who wants it. And the church exists to live out this life, but not just for our sakes. For the sake of a broken and disconnected As he left earth, Jesus left his church with the command to go and make disciples. And it's easy to think of this as two different commands. First, you go. That's a command. And then second, make disciples. But as many scholars have pointed out, this is really one command, make disciples. The going is required for the making, but it's also required to be human. All of us are in the process of going at all times. We're going to the grocery store, we're going to work, we're going to our daughter's ball game or our son's performance. 
After church, we're going to get lunch. And if this gathering doesn't end on time, we are going to lose our minds. Part of being human is that we're always in the process of going. And so Jesus is saying, as you go, make disciples. Everywhere you go, make disciples. And this command was not given to individual disciples of Jesus to accomplish on their own. It was given to the church. It was given to the communities of disciples who are to be an outpost or a colony of the kingdom of God in their community. And so this command not only means to send out believers to start new churches or to share the good news of Jesus in foreign nations, but it also means to send out believers into the places they already live to be ambassadors of Christ's kingdom. You see, the church is the body of Christ. We are the living representation of Jesus in our world. And that happens when we gather together for worship or in small groups or to serve together. But it's not only when we gather that we are to represent Christ. It's also when we scatter into our world that we are to carry the ministry of reconciliation with us. We have been tasked to be like Jesus in every place we inhabit, to go around doing good and bringing the joy and the peace and life of God's kingdom through our body, just like Jesus. When he was on earth, Jesus went from town to town doing good, and wherever he went, it was like heaven came with him. When Jesus was near, sicknesses were healed. The poor were lifted up and the hungry were fed. When Jesus touched the lepers or ate meals with social and moral outcasts, loneliness and condemnation and shame had no power anymore. People who were isolated and ignored felt a connection to others. People who had shameful past and had been trapped in sin and self-destructive lifestyles were set free. And those who felt like their lives were hopeless and meaningless found a connection with the God who loves them through Jesus. And as a believer, you are an ambassador for Christ and His kingdom everywhere you go, just as Community Christian as a church is a colony of Christ's kingdom in Coweta County. So when you're at your job, you're not merely a coworker or an employee focused on getting the job done and getting home by five. You are an ambassador in disguise. In your neighborhood, you are not merely a part of the HOA looking out for your home value. You are an ambassador in disguise. At the store, in the drive-through, you are not just a customer trying to get the best service you can. You are an ambassador of Christ's good kingdom in disguise. But this requires you and I to completely change our focus everywhere we go. Our purpose for every interaction, every space that we inhabit must fundamentally change. You're not just at work to make a living. You're not just going to the store to get groceries or going to the ball field to drop your child off. Everywhere you go, you are joining Jesus in his ministry of reconciling all things back to God. You are part of Christ's church, which is renewing all the broken and disconnected parts of our world to life in God's kingdom. And you are living out the kingdom of God everywhere you go for the sake of the people God has placed around you. A Japanese evangelist named Toyohiko Kagawa once said, 
I read in a book that a man called Christ went around doing good. It's very disconcerting to me that I am so easily satisfied just going around. How about you? How, can, how many of us can resonate with that quote? All of us long to live this life of meaning where we make a difference in the lives of the people around us, but we often just settle into these lives where we're just so busy with ourselves and with our own concerns and interests to the point to where we miss the opportunities to do good. But God, He has more in store for us than we could ever imagine. And so before we move on in our service today, we just want to take a couple of minutes just to ask our Heavenly Father to use us to do good in the places where we go. In just a moment, some words are going to come up on the screen to lead you through a reflection where you can just think through the spaces that you regularly inhabit. And you can ask God to open your eyes to the good that you could do for the people around you there in each of those spaces. You can ask God, open my eyes, open my eyes, God, to see the good that you could do through me. May your will be done through me. And then pause and just allow God to lead your thoughts to the people, to the opportunities that he places around you every day. And then move on to your work, then to your child's school, to the restaurant, to the coffee shop, to the place where you regularly shop. Nothing is off limits. And if you're not sure that you want to pray, that's okay. Maybe you could use this time just to reflect on what you've already experienced today and just enjoy a couple of quiet moments out of your busy world. But if you feel comfortable doing so, let's have a conversation with our Heavenly Father about how He can use us in the places that we go. Heavenly Father, we want to be used by you in the lives of those that you've placed around us. 
Would you help each of us just to be an ambassador of your kingdom wherever we go? May we go about doing good as we follow Christ's example. Bless us in our efforts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So what will it take for us to become the kind of people who go around doing good for the glory of God and for the sake of others? Well, it's going to require each of us to see our goal every day. My job is to be an ambassador of a different kind of kingdom. It requires me seeing myself as people who are, who are joining Jesus, that God is ahead of me already at work in the lives of people. And my job is to begin to see that and to see how I can join him in what he's already doing to reconcile all things back to him and to bring about his new creation in the world. And that means we give up seeing our lives and our activities, the people around us from merely a human, worldly point of view. Here's what I mean. Paul writes to the Corinthian churches. Christ died for everyone so that those who receive this new life that we've been talking about will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This is the unique quality that believers bring to the world around them. I don't know if you remember two weeks ago when we talked about this idea that the church is essential for our growth. And one of the ways that it does is it teaches us how to be people, as Philippians 2 says, we no longer look out for our interests. We don't look out for our bottom line. We are always looking out for the interests of others. That we would become people who can learn how to give our lives away as a blessing to God and to others. You know, our world is built upon the idea of Mutual self-interest, that if what everyone could do is just really focus on themselves, and if everyone, you do you, and as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, or at least don't get caught hurting somebody else, as long as you don't hurt anybody else, you do whatever you want, and I'll do whatever I want, and occasionally we might work together if it is in our mutual self-interest. But we have no idea of being obligated To one another. And then we're somehow kind of shocked when people do things that are in their self interest that aren't in my self interest. And and we really kind of think this. We set up our entire world this way that really the reason you would be ethical and kind and honest in business is not because it's the right thing to do, but because that's good business practices that'll help you grow your business. Like I had when I was going for my business degree in college, I had a finance professor who literally started the finance course by saying, this whole business ethics thing is nonsense. He said, and I will give you 60% on every test if you write this at the top of every test. Your only ethical obligation is to maximize shareholder wealth, which means as long as all of your stockholders are making money, anything you do to make that happen, as long as you don't get caught, is fine. Now, this was the same guy who also told me that in 30 years, no one would have last names because of globalism. So I don't know how much you should trust this guy. But I'm saying, we all kind of get that that's what everyone's doing. We all kind of get, because my daughter said the other day, we were watching some show and they said something about politicians lying. She goes, they can just get up there and say a lie? I said, yes, and everyone knows it. She goes, why would anyone vote for him? I said, because you just picked the lie you think sounds best to you that you know they're not going to keep. And we've decided that's the way we're going to operate. And then we're somehow shocked when a corporation would lie about their business practices. 
or their profits or how well they've been taking care of their environmental obligations or how well they take care of their employees. It's shocking to us, but it didn't benefit their bottom line. And most of us live the exact same way in our lives. I'll help you as long as it doesn't affect what I really want, my agenda, my bottom line. But believers are people, we don't have a bottom line. We no longer look out for our own interests. We live for the glory of God and for the sake of others. This is what allows us to be what Jesus called his followers, the salt of the earth that we would somehow bring out the unique flavor of God's kingdom everywhere we go. That we would be people who would preserve the quality of something like like salt does. That we would preserve the life of something in our world. But this can only happen when my Goal in every day is not getting what I want out of any situation. But I'm trying to bring God's goodness out of this and out of others. So to get real practical, when I think about this, I think about a mom in our church who every week goes to the park with her kids. And that is a time for her to get rid of those kids. They can go run and she can take a break. And, but she knows every day. Everywhere I go, I'm an ambassador of Christ. And so every time she walks in that park, she prays, God, open my eyes to see, open my ears to hear, open my hands to give, that your will would be done through me. And so on this particular day, it was a really frustrating day, and the kids had just been wearing her down. And so she thought, oh, I can take a breath. And then she sees another mom that's there. And she goes, great, guess I got to open my eyes. And so she goes and finds out, oh, their kids are playing together. And she sits down, she starts talking to her, and she finds out, in their conversation, this mom has just moved to the area recently and she doesn't know anybody. And so they're talking this whole time. She finds out she didn't actually move to this area. She moved to Fayette County and someone said, hey, there's a, real, there's a park that's real close to you and it's the Noonan Utilities Park on the other side of Noonan. So she drove all the way over to Noonan Utilities and when she got there, she said, this does not look like the skate park I was told because what they were actually telling her about was the skate park over on Farmer Street. She showed up at the wrong park that just so happened to have an ambassador for Christ sitting in that park. Maybe it was the right park. And they begin to talk and she says, hey, I, know, I don't know many people around here. She goes, if you'd like my phone number, you can, we can get together anytime you want to. So she takes her phone number. That night, they set up, we're going to get together. The next day, they go and meet up at the right skate park. <laughs> and they begin to talk, and they find out that their, their life stories are actually incredibly similar. Things that they thought no one else really shared. Wow, our life story, it just really matches up. And they begin to feel, now there's someone. I've left most of the people I know, and now suddenly, there's someone here. And we share this in common. They start talking about church and they begin to build this relationship. And still to this day, they're texting and, and planning on meeting up and getting to meet one another. And that only happened because there was an ambassador for Christ who said, when I go to the park, it's not about me. That I go in the name of Jesus. When I think about this, I think about a guy in our church who at the end of last year had gotten promoted at his job and he was... He, it increased his workload because that's apparently what happens when you're really good at your job. They just give you more work. So he gets, he gets promoted and he gets more work out of this. And it's, he feels a little drowning in the whole thing. But he said to me at the beginning of the year, you know, I just feel like God didn't bless me with this for me. I was blessed to be a blessing. And so every day when he goes to his office, he prays, 
God, open my eyes to see. God, open my ears to hear. Open my hands to give. That your will would be done through me. And one day, a young guy, one of his now employees, because he has employees underneath him, walks in and begins to talk about his personal life. And he's like, this is work. We don't talk about personal life. Not right now. And the guy kind of walks away. And he realizes in that moment, I was supposed to have my eyes open. So he goes back to him on his lunch break. He goes, hey man, I blew that. I I could tell you're really upset. Can we talk about this? So he starts to talk and reveals he's a young guy. He's got, he and his girlfriend are just going through some mess and he, it is just breaking him up and he doesn't know what to do about it. And so at his workplace, in this factory setting, he prays with him right there. And he says, here's my phone number. Call me tonight. We'll talk about it. They talk for two hours on the phone that night. They go through a Bible study over something that night. They calls him up. He comes to church with him that week. They've been continuing the conversation this whole time. And that only happened because an ambassador for Christ showed up and said, I'm not in my workplace for my bottom line. And that's not the end of that story. Just about two weeks ago, uh, this ambassador for Christ tells me I, I, we have a new guy who's kind of overproduction at my job and I think he doesn't want me to be in that anymore and I think he's getting ready to fire me and promote this guy to my position. And I said, man, that must be really tough. And he goes, yeah, but remember, this wasn't about me. My job is, and he goes, I'm gonna support this young man the best I can and make it that if this goes the way I don't want it to go, he is better set up for his job than he was before. How does that happen? Because he no longer lives for himself. Because he's an ambassador for Christ everywhere he goes. I think about two women in our church I know who have a book club every single week at a local coffee shop. And it is this time for them that they are just, we need a break from everything else. You know, you just, to have a friend that regularly you can just go out and spend time with and build into one another, that is a gift and a blessing. But every time they walk in, they pray, God, open my eyes to see, open my ears to hear, open my hands to give. May your will be done through us in the lives of these employees, in the lives of the other customers. And so every time when they're there, they pray over the names of people they know. They pray over people that they don't even know their names. And over time, they began to get to know some of the employees. And one day, one of the employees walked up to them and just said, hey, you guys are always so positive. I just wanted to say, I'm so thankful. I don't want to burden you, though, with my negativity. I've had a horrible day, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I just wanted to say, hey, I don't want you to think I'm rude. And as she's walking out the door, one of these ambassadors for Christ, before she even knew what she said, she goes, hey, can I pray for you? Like, you know, how it just kind of comes out. You don't want it to. You've been trying to hold it. Can I pray for you? Let me get that out. And this woman turns around and goes, Yeah, and tells him the story and how there's been this kind of accident in her life and now it's causing financial hardship and on a coffee shop employee's uh, uh, salary, this is now becoming kind of world-shattering for her. And so they talk about it and say, well, I'm going to be praying for you. Well, then they go back and they go, okay, well, we're going to do more than that. They get her a gift basket to let her know, we've been thinking about you and we know how hard things have been. And they go back the next week, but she's not there. And they come back the next week. And she's not there. So they talk to some of the employees that are there and they go, hey, is so-and-so around? They said, well, you know, things have been really tough for her. And so she can't always get transportation to come into work. So they said, well, let her know we're praying for her. They come back the next week and I get a text on my phone that says, she's here and we're terrified because now we actually have to do something. (laughs) And I said, well, I'm praying for you. And so they walk in with this gift basket and they tell her, that we've been praying for you. And she gets a little emotional and tells them, oh, that's great. And they said, hey, this may be weird. Can we have your phone number? We'd love to be praying for you. 
And so they just text, and they have a long conversation over text, and she just sends back later that day to them, hey, you don't know how much that meant to me today. You know, I don't have a lot of family around here. The family I have, they're passed away. I don't have anybody praying for me, and the fact that you're praying for me means more than you would know. And that only happens when an ambassador for Christ says, everywhere I go, everywhere I go, I represent Jesus in every environment, in every moment. And it may not sound earth-shattering or world-changing, but this is how the kingdom of God spreads. It's ordinary people going around doing good because for one person's world, things changed. A person showed up to work or they showed up to a park or they talked with a customer on a particularly difficult day and they were not expecting to encounter the kingdom of God. But they did. And for many people, it's these kind of small interactions that are the first time where they are open that there may be a world that is beyond themselves. There may be a world where generosity is normal. There may be a world where your supervisor or your customer or a stranger would be willing to be interrupted to listen to you, to pray for you, to encourage you. A world where God is active even in the most mundane and even difficult moments of our lives. And the journey to discipleship starts somewhere for everyone. And if we're to be ambassadors in disguise, we must become people who make the most of every opportunity. And we are looking for God to open opportunities to us. I almost uh, had forgotten about this quote, but yesterday, and I, I felt like it was a God thing because it, it was brought back to my mind and I wanted to share it to you. Uh, it is from uh, an author, a, a Christian pastor named Frederick Beekner, and he writes this. Who knows how the awareness of God's love first hits people? We all have our own tales to tell, including those of us who would not believe in God if you even paid us to. Some moments happen in your life that make you say yes right up to the roots of your hair. They make it worth having been born just to have that happen. Laughing with somebody till the tears run down your cheeks, waking up to the first snow, being in bed with somebody you love. Whether you thank God for such a moment or you thank your lucky stars, it is a moment that is trying to open up your whole life. And if you turn your back on such a moment and you hurry along to business as usual, it may lose you the whole ball game. But if you throw your arms around such a moment and bless it, it may save your soul. How about the person you know who, as far as you can possibly tell, has never had such a moment? Maybe for that person, the moment that has to happen is you. And he ends by saying, it's a process. It's not an event. It is the small moments. It is these mundane little things. It's these small handfuls of stories that for some people, it awakens them to a new kind of life that is possible, a life connected to God and other people and ourselves. And this is just a small handful of stories around our church, but could you imagine if every disciple of Jesus, a community Christian, had this mindset everywhere we went? I do not go to work to earn a living. I do not show up to my kids' ball game just to cheer them on. My neighborhood is not just where I come to relax and have a safe place for my kids to lay their head. These are spaces that I inhabit as a member of Christ's body, and I, he intends for me he intends for me to share his kingdom everywhere I go. Imagine if all of us brought the peace of God wherever we went. How would you, being a non-anxious presence, change your workplace? Just one person. 
What if the next time you got bad service at a restaurant, you did not focus on what you were owed, but you remembered, I am an ambassador of Christ's kingdom where generosity is poured out, whether someone deserves it or not, that just like God does not love me because of who I am, but who he is, I don't tip, I don't pour things out based on the service you give, but on the kind of customer I am. That I do not treat you based on who you are, I treat you based on how Christ has treated me. What if the next time you went to your gym or you pulled into your neighborhood, you paused and you asked God, open my eyes to see that you're at work in the lives of those around me and to see myself as an ambassador of Christ. Do you think that you would get so worked up about the little things that irritate you if you knew this wasn't your time? If this life did not belong to you, would you get as offended as you do about things? What if you truly stopped living for yourself and you realize none of this is about me anyway? It's all about Jesus, and I live for him and his kingdom. What if somehow we could make ordinary spaces, these sacred meeting places of God and people, just by us living in his kingdom everywhere that we go? And I know that can seem like a big task, so here's all I'm asking you to do this week. Would you begin praying this everywhere you go? Father, open my eyes to see, open my ears to hear, open my hands to give, that your will may be done through me. We believe God is active all the time, but we don't always see it because we're so busy focused on our bottom line. We're so busy focused on ourselves. And look, I'm I'm not asking you to preach to anybody. I'm not asking you to make an invitation to church. I'm asking you to go around and do good. To bless the people that are around you. And maybe you'll begin to see that as I go around and I pray, God's had opportunities that were there that I never noticed. Maybe you'll notice people that were there that you never noticed before. Maybe you'll hear the hurt or frustration or disappointment that another person carries around that you've been ignoring the whole time. And if nothing else, I believe if you shift your focus to this, your experience will change. Because you'll remember, your life is not your own. None of this was about you. You belong to Christ who died and gave himself for you. So live accordingly. And I want that for all of us. I want that for our church, but I want it for our community because God has placed our church in Coweta County here to be ambassadors of Christ, not just for us, but for the sake of the world. And to help us not forget that, I've invited Steve to lead us through a time of prayer and reflection. Let's do that now.